Oh, Happy New Year! It's everyone's favorite time of year. The New Year! Um, Happy New 18, uh, guys. It's the 18th year since... 2,000 years since Jesus was born, apparently. Um, uh, did you have a good New Year's Eve? Or did you? I uh, I had a good one. I uh, played a big drinking game with some friends of mine from the Isle of Man. If you'd like to see pictures of me dressed as George Washington, genuinely, uh, check my Instagram. Because my Instagram is full of pictures of me dressed as George Washington to play a very particular <clears throat> uh, drinking game. Oh, New Year's Eve is normally absolute dog shit, though. It's the worst. Because it's, uh, it's supposed to... Something big is supposed to happen, and it doesn't. It's not a thing. It's not. Uh, there's no benefit to it, I would say. Whereas Christmas, at least, has got an idea behind it. Whereas New Year's Eve is the calendar's going to change anyway. As per, I don't know. I don't know. I'm very tired. <laughs> I think I'm still hungover. Uh, sorry for the audio quality as well. I'm recording this on the microphone that is inherent in my laptop due to several fuck-ups that are entirely my fault. The funnest kind of fuck-ups, where no one else is to blame. Let me just close this door for Echo's sake. Sorry about that. Okay. Uh, yes, so, it's 2018. What are your resolutions? My resolutions include fewer moose hunting trips, hundreds more baseballs, and an egg in winter for people to hug and stay warm. By hugging the egg. Those are my resolutions. They all seem very attainable. They seem healthy. They seem positive. Oh, I'm going to try and keep being in shape and uh, trying, to, trying to stay in shape. I talked last time about people going like, hey, eat what you want over Christmas. It's fine. And it's like, you don't understand the devastation that can be wrought by certain types of eating, clearly. Especially if your eating is compulsive and you know, all these people go, go on, have a pudding. It's not helpful. It, it's just, ugh, I hate it. I fucking hate it. Ugh. So I'm going to, my flatmate has convinced me to try hot yoga. So I'm going to try that tonight. Um, and uh, I, I am suspicious it'll be a very odd experience for me because I am a sweaty man, uh, to be honest. And... Uh, I don't know how well I'll fare in an environment designed to to provoke that. Maybe I'll do better than a normal person because it's my happy place. Or like I'm I'm so used to being that guy. Maybe I'll be like uh, <laughs> like an Eskimo in snow or Inuit, whatever. I don't know. One of those guys in snow. Maybe that'll be it. I'm, it's always I. I'm always amazed by how high people's tolerance for something disgusting is if it's part of something healthy. And so I, I suppose what I mean by that is, so if you stink of sweat and farts and things, then it's like, no, it's yoga, it's good for you. And people go, oh, okay, I'll be in a room full of other people sweating and farting and grunting. Whereas sweating and farting and grunting happen all the time in, for example, uh, homeless shelters or around homeless people and it would be really people are really grossed out by that because it's like oh they're all sweaty and farty and grunty but if, if maybe if there's some way that we could imagine that helping them out was, was healthy then like people would go 
to homeless shelters with the same sort of psychotic dedication as, as yoga studios, do you think? Maybe that's it. Bikram charity. <laughs> so people doing charity is pouring sweat, going, oh God, God, I really feel it in my core. <laughs> if you have any ideas for other uh, Bikram charity acts, uh, send them in. Uh, get in touch in general, my favorite podcast at gmail.com or at my favorite pod on Twitter. Um, and remember, favorite is spelt with a U because there's no podcast without you. Uh, a bit of correspondence here. Some more correspondence from uh, one of our top, if not our top correspondent, Morag. Hello again, Morag. Happy New Year. Two days ago, Morag said, and this is regarding um, the Oreo thing I seem to have started, she says. Um, if you seem to remember, a couple of episodes ago we were discussing cheese versus Oreos. Uh, Morag is firmly against Oreos. Uh, so here we go. Uh, <laughs> Did you know that Oreos are in fact vegan? If that's not a reason to avoid them, I don't know what is. Not only are they rank, but they are also smug. Who wants a smug biscuit? Although if you can get a biscuit called nice, then you could equally well have one called smug. Can you get a biscuit called nice? Is that a type of biscuit? I'm not really aware of this. Now I feel all biscuit ignorant, whereas in what I want is to be biscuit woke. Let's see, nice biscuits. I mean, I feel like a dickhead typing that in. Nice biscuit. <laughs> I feel like a right twat typing that into Google. Dear Google. What are some nice biscuits? I'm in the mood for some nice biscuits. Um, Im <laughs> imagine... Oh, wait a minute. The Daily Mail Online, and I'm not clicking the links, they're not getting any advertising revenue from me, says nice biscuits are pronounced nice. They were reportedly named after the southern French city of the same name after Queen Victoria took them on a royal visit there. But why are they named after a place where she took some biscuits? Fuck me, if you were a king or a queen in the olden days, you could do fucking anything and you'd get some shit named after your nonsense. What would be named after stuff I did if I was a royal? Um, hmm. Repeatedly procrastinating uh, organizing your accounts. It's very novellish. <laughs> it's very novellish of you to, to almost fail to pay your taxes on time. Maybe that's the kind of thing I want, is to be my legacy. Anyway. So take that, Morag. You're wrong. They're niece biscuits. So they can't be... You can't have niece and smug. You'd have to have niece and smug. I'm feeling very smug. It's not very niece to be smug all the time. Uh, she continues. Look at me. I'm all horrid and I'm vegan. You can eat me for no pleasure whatsoever. That was uh, Morag personifying an Oreo. NB, uh, which, by the way, if you don't know, I found this out the other day, stands for Note Bene, Note Well. As in, hey, fucking pay attention. Whereas PS stands for postscript. NB is like, hey, you note this. You keep your eye on this shit. Uh, I have nothing against vegans or veganism per se. I do, however, have lots and lots against born-again vegans who assume that meat-eaters, aka bad people, have no idea whatsoever that their meat or dairy or shoes come from animals and that they must be educated. Uh, then she says, hey, vegan! Leave them clubs alone! Uh... Which, that, I hope that's a reference to Pig Floyd's The Wall. Or I seem weird. Leave them clubs alone like the biscuits, maybe? Anyway. Anyways, the Oreos are clearly putting themselves out there as the good vegan alternative. And so the or, uh, so all the animal product-containing biscuits, like custard creams, I think the clue may be in the name, are being slighted by association. 
I say animal products there because I'm pretty confident I've never had a biscuit that contained meat. Boke, which if you don't know, is Northern British slash Scottish slash Northern Irish for vomiting. Boking. Incidentally, most of my colleagues like Oreos. I don't understand this. They do prefer cheese, however, so all is not lost. It's a strange world out there. Oh yeah, Happy New Year. Nice breeches. Toodaloo, Morag. Thank you for complimenting my britches, Morag. Uh, Morag, of course, referring to me being dressed as George Washington. Check out my Instagram to figure out exactly how nice my breeches were. They were very tight. I bought the costume online, and the jacket fit very nicely. But the pantaloons, which were supposed to be big baggy pantaloons, on my mighty thighs were, were verging on cycling lycra. It was unpleasant. <laughs> um... I, I, I know I think I, I think I know for a fact that uh, Oreos are vegan by accident so I don't I don't think they had any snooty intentions Morag, I think they're vegan by accident I think it just happened to be the case that I, I, I suppose if you make a product that contains almost nothing that occurs in nature uh, it, it probably doesn't go off forever right it goes it keeps for, for bloody ages and then you can sell more of them that's that's the sort of ruthless profit motive driven innovation that we've all come to know and love uh, or not a biscuit that contains meat there must be one there must be a biscuit that contains gelatin gelatin is sort of meat Percy Pigs have gelatin in what is it about animals bones and hooves that is just so delicious how can we <laughs> Why is it just so goddamn delicious to eat bones and hooves, especially after plenty of boiling? <laughs> God, I felt like an idiot. Nice biscuits. Imagine googling nice biscuits because you... It, it, okay, so if you ended up googling nice biscuits, like actually saying, what are some nice biscuits? That implies that in your whole life... You've always been aware of biscuits as a concept, but maybe as a kid you were never ever allowed them. So you have no, no biscuit precedent whatsoever in your whole life. None. You just are a blank slate, re-biscuits. And then for some reason, despite having never tried biscuits, or maybe having snuck a biscuit on a trip to a jumble sale or something, years later you just think, I really, oh, for some reason I've got a hankering but I, oh, I'm so ignorant. <laughs> I don't know the world of biscuits. Oh, I have to go ask Google. Nice biscuits. What are the good ones? And also, as though you'd, as though you'd Google shit biscuits. What are, the, what are some of the worst biscuits? I feel like an absolute crap biscuit is what I want. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, but also, um, because I like my microphone and some other relatively special equipment. This is going to be an old school podcast, uh, maybe Bill Burr style with, with not really any skits or sketches or fiddling around with, with music and things. Um, although one thing I did use GarageBand for was uh, when we were playing the drinking game on New Year's Eve, I rigged up my phone to have a soundboard and linked the phone to a pair of speakers so that whenever it was someone's turn to drink, I could press a button on my phone and what would come through the speakers would be a theme tune. Each, every every person had a theme tune. And the theme tune would be a popular song with some of the lyrics being replaced by that person's name. So it was like a little a little theme tune with their name in it. And the and it was it was very poorly overdubbed by me, sort of deliberately badly. 
And uh, the general theme was, uh, if you remember that song, I got a feeling, yeah, tonight's gonna be a good night. If you remember that, I overdubbed that with, I got a feeling, that tonight's gonna be a drinking game. And sort of very deadpan, uh, crudely inserted it in, that old gag. Uh, and, and much fun was had by all. Um, we started too early, though. We started at 2 p.m. My God. 2 or 3 p.m. That's, that's early, isn't it? For an event that has to see midnight. <laughs> For an event where midnight is absolutely obligatory. My word. If it wasn't for a, an injection of Red Bulls at a strategic point, we would have been out of there by 11. At the latest. But we made it. We did about 11 or 12 hours solid. It was brutal. And we still got all the leftover booze. And I don't really like having booze in the house because it's very easy to just have a have one or two beers at the end of every day before you know it, you're Captain Beer. And now we've got like beers in the fridge and a little box of beers that someone forgot about and it's bad, like just gin and things. It's, ooh, it's dangerous. Oh, it's no good. It's no good. What do you guys do when you have all the booze after a house party? Apart from drinking. That's what I'm trying to avoid. What do you do? Hints and tips. Pass it out to the local, the local needy. Has that ever, I, I read an article the other day which said you should always, you should always give money to the homeless and, and ne directly and never do it through charities and things because it's, their lives are so bad and it's their, it should be their money and they're allowed to do what they like with it. So it doesn't matter if they spend on drugs or booze or whatever. And, and you sort of go, yeah, but does that also mean that it would be fine to just give them booze? Have you, has, that, has that ever happened? Has anyone ever seen that? We're like, like a tramp who's who's clearly an alcoholic and, and is desperate for just endless booze. I've seen people stop by a hobo, a, a, a hobo, I'm not American and I don't live in the 30s. Apologies. A homeless person. I've seen them stop by a homeless person and give them uh, a meal deal. I've seen them give them... Uh, Stuff from McDonald's. I've I've given homeless people sometimes money, but I've I've given them food or stuff uh, like that uh, um, at points in my life. But I've never I've never seen anyone just go. You know what? Here's a, a liter of of Bell's whiskey. You fucking go for it, man. You just knock yourself out. No more kestrel for you. Would that still be as benign? as just giving them the money and letting them make the moral choice themselves? At what point are you making a choice for them? And is the money a form of choice on their behalf? Or I don't know, I suppose it's letting them have the freedom to, to do what they want with the money. But then, but then if you're an addict, do you really have freedom to choose what you want to do with things? Or are you just being driven by your addiction, like a, like a chimp driving a car? Hmm, I got to ask some addict friends of mine about this. Because at what point, when someone is addicted to a substance, do you just not have to have to not believe them when they say it's all they want? Or do you believe them and then try and convince them that it's not? Or I don't know. This is way above my pay grade, to be honest. It all started so simply with a chat about Oreos, and now it's gone out of hand. It's gone off kilter. Man, I need to tidy my fucking room. In my head, there'll be a point where I, I will have been able to tidy my room, and then it'll be over. And and you know what? I'll never have to tidy it again. 
and I worry that that point doesn't exist. Obviously, and I'm not, I'm not including maintenance in that. I'm not including hoovering. I'm not including putting your clothes away neatly. I'm not including making your bed. By the way, if you have a duvet just on top of like a sheet on a mattress and you make your bed, I think you're a lunatic. What's the point? I, I, I have friends who do it and they say it makes them feel nice and it's like I've officially started the day. The only thing that's ever made sense to me is that, oh, it's a signal that now you, it's impossible for you to get back into bed. And that I respect. I understand that. Because I used to do that all the time. I've, I've recently lost my ability to go back to sleep once I'm awake in the morning because I'm getting older, I suppose. Or maybe just um, my kind of constant background fear of failure is so powerful now that even my uh, incredible laziness can't force it to back down. And that, that is the true sign of being an adult. When, when your fear overrides <laughs> laziness, that's when you're a grown-up. Uh, oh God, I need to. I have bookshelves in my room, dear listener. But if you saw them, they're not being used like bookshelves. They're being used like the, the stuff's facing different ways. It's not in any order. It's not. Uh... It's 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 a it's a war zone. It's an absolute war zone. And I have some paintings to do. If you're listening. Gareth, I'm going to start working on your paintings, and Lulu as well. I owe these guys paintings. I'm going to start working on those. I've got the canvases right next to me. That's the noise of the bag of canvases. I just need to go and paint it. We've got a lovely painting corner set up. We, we, my flatmate and I bought a bunch of uh, waterproof and paintproof tarpaulins, like big things like from painters when they paint buildings and rooms or whatever for the carpet. Um, and we've been using them for sort of painter's corner in the corner of the living room. We've set up a sort of easel and these tarps and whatever. But if you extend them out, you know, let's say on New Year's Eve, when you know you're going to be playing True American, Beer Pong, uh, Ring of Fire, among many other quite brutal drinking games, well, you could just spread that tarpaulin out and uh, basically have no worries at all. And there were spillages, not many. But it meant that um, just uh, Johnny Tarpaulin sorted it all out. Pretty cool guys. Normally, I'm a big opponent of organised fun. Is that true? Not, not increasingly less and less. But the point is that this organised fun went extremely well. And I highly recommend it. Please drink responsibly, especially if you are listening to this and you are underage. It's also labelled explicit on iTunes, so how ballsy of you, young person, uh, to listen to something full of swears, what would mother think? that you were listening to a man on the radio say bum over and over again. Um, an extremely tedious meme has come out of the drinking games on New Year's Eve, which I'm going to invite you all to share in now. My flatmate and I and some of our friends cannot stop saying poo la la. Now, I'd like to think that everyone who listens to me is also a big fan of Adam Buxton, but that may or may not be the case. Uh, poo la la is something that Adam Buxton says sometimes when he's doing a silly character. And the earliest usage of Pupulala I can find is from 2009. But I swear he says it on one of his XFM podcasts from when him and Joe Cornish were on XFM. And that's like 07, maybe earlier than that. And he sort of goes like, uh, he's talking about a movie and he says one of the characters is like, oh, and then uh, he's like badly explaining a foreign film or a kung fu film, I think, and, and it's like, oh, and then, uh, sh and then she has to take revenge on her nemesis, Pupulala, uh, Pupulala, and it's, uh, this is like the Pupulala, like that Pupulala. Uh, anyway, 
the point is, because my flatmate and I have the minds of fucking children, and so do some of our friends, that just became a kind of je ne sais quoi sort of phrase. And it's very addictive, where if you sort of say, oh, that just had a certain sort of, I don't know, poo-poo-la-la. It, <laughs> it's, it's very, any any song that happens to be playing on the radio, if you could just sing the tune of the song with the lyrics poo-poo-la-la uh, in order, uh, yeah, just, just insert it into everyday life and you'll get to the point that where, that I was at uh, last night or the night before where I was so tired that I couldn't stop thinking the phrase poo-poo-la-la in my head as I was trying to go to sleep which made a nice change from the uh, intermittent nighttime shame spiral thinking that does tend to happen as one goes to sleep. Instead of thinking about various failures throughout my life, I was thinking poo-poo-la-la over and over again, or thinking other things and then randomly going poo-poo-la-la in my own head. So it went from something that was just amusing to say during a drinking game to something my flatmate and I said compulsively to each other all day, in order to both irritate and amuse each other, and now it is in my brain, and it will not leave. So there you go. Give Pubulala a try today. Um, what did you guys get for Christmas? Did you get some nice things for Christmas? For Christmas? Did you get some delicious soap? Food-flavoured soap? I, uh, I got some Chanel cologne, which was conflicting, because I in my Edinburgh show... My last Edinburgh show, I did a whole routine about how Coco Chanel was an awful Nazi collaborator, homophobe, fascist, and so on. Uh, so does that? I don't know. I don't know. At what point are you just doing it out of out of arrogance? It's not like anyone's going to check. I'm not fucking Madonna or the President of the United States or anything like that. No one's going to check what I'm doing. Maybe I can just enjoy Chanel hypocritically. I mean, I'm against slavery, and I, I have so many Apple products, iPhones and things. Not that they, I don't know, are they slaves? They get paid and they don't get owned by someone, but then what is our definition of slavery? This has become very philosophical, this podcast. Although, in fairness, you did just get to enjoy a whole big, a whole big uh, chunk of uh, poo la So maybe it is time for a bit of highbrow stuff. What is slavery? Hmm? Are we not all slaves to our desires? Are the only truly free among us? Men and women of religion? Monks? Nuns? Wrong. They are less free than us because we can wank. Ha ha ha. Checkmate. Uh, monks. <laughs> if you are a monk and you are never allowed to touch yourself, do you must get wet dreams again. And do they eventually stop? Like, does, do, does your body eventually sort of say to itself, all right, whatever's going on out there, it means that this guy is not interested in any more of this, so let's shut her down, boys. And it's like, like they, they pull the big whistle in the factory, like Fred, Fred Flintstone. <laughs> Quitting time, boys. And all the workers file glumly out of the jizz factory, all eyes downcast, protesting. Nah, get jobs. Jizz jobs, not jizz. Just unemployment, etc. Is that the case? Or is like even the oldest monk still just popping unfortunate boners? Maybe they just psychologically, they just, they're so religious that they just stop. I, I studied enough medieval literature at university to know that like French, French medieval literature, like early medieval, so like 12th century, 13th century French stuff popped up a bit. Long story, but I did. Um, 
And loads of the stories were about horny monks. Loads of them. And loads of them were about monks going around fucking people's wives and monks jerking off and fucking each other and being gay. And it's like monks were horny bitches all the time. So they, 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 that can't have changed, right? That must still be the case. Or is it like, or is it like switching from a conscript army to a voluntary army in the sense that back then the only option for lots of people for various reasons was to be a monk. So way more of them were horny weirdos. Um, and now if you want to become a monk, it's quite rare and there's not an easy way of doing it. There's not a monastery down the road anymore. And so you, the naturally more dedicated type of person ends up doing it or are statistically the same proportion of monks, horny weirdos as before. And there's just fewer of them. These are the big questions. It's funny because a lot of the sort of woke or, or sort of more hippie-ish people who I know would show loads of respect and be really impressed and sort of, oh, wow, by like a Buddhist monk from, from the East, which as we've seen in uh, Myanmar uh, or Burma, um, and I know you, oh, the, uh, Burma's the colonial term and you're supposed to say Myanmar and you say yes, but even the locals called it Burma and it's, it was switched to Myanmar by a military junta and I believe locally there's enough languages that actually they're both the right term and so it's sort of, uh, do you, I guess, it, so that means that we're choosing between the term that the military fascist junta imposed and the imperial term. So, rock and a hard place, Burma, Myanmar, you get the country I mean. The point is, as we've seen over the last year, being a Buddhist doesn't mean that you're not a genocidal fucking maniac either. And loads of Buddhist monks are really in favor of exterminating uh, Rohingya Muslims and burning them out of their homes and making them all die and killing their children. So not very Zen of them, in my view. Not very many joystick waving uh, uh, cool karate guys hanging out in those monasteries. They seem like orange Nazis. Um... So we've seen that maybe maybe people will wake up a bit more, but the same kind of people who would find a Christian monk a bit like, they're like, oh, that's a sign of the inherent conservatism of my own land. They'd look at a figure like a Buddhist monk, a sign of the inherent conservatism and religiosity of another land, and just be like, wow, how great. Um, I'm aware that Orientalism is really a word for that, but still, it just is strange, isn't it? You sort of go, why are you impressed? And they go, oh, well, they, 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 they abstain from all wealth and money and sex and they pray loads of times a day and they meditate and they go, yeah, but, you know, go talk to a fucking Benedictine friar. You know, I mean, it's broadly the same. They eat things out of little bowls and they spend all their time praying and wearing a big scratchy robe and sleeping in a cell. And it's, it's the same. It's the same. You know, especially if you don't believe in religion, you're just sort of vaguely impressed by spirituality, then just, it's the same. Go down the road and talk to a, <laughs> a vicar. It's just not as exciting. It's not exciting because it doesn't involve drums and, and throwing big handfuls of coloured powder over each other. doesn't look nearly as good on your Instagram to put up a picture of you and fucking Friar Tuck hanging out by the back of Nando's. <laughs> <laughs> Having a crafty fag round the back of Nando's with Friar Tuck. <laughs> Keep an eye out for the sheriff, lads. We've been warned before. What a load of absolute shit. That's, that's quite good going, though. That's roughly half an hour of rambling toss. Back to the glory days of the old the old first season of the podcast before I started putting in features and music and guests and all the things that make it allegedly appealing. Although the listenership numbers remain 
drastically the same. Ah. <laughs> uh, I, I sort of I was, I was about to say tell your friends if you think they'd enjoy it, but how could you ever estimate that with what this content is? Maybe, maybe in my head the people who enjoy this they just sort of stumble across it. I I got an, a very nice message on Instagram from I th I think she's American, but she saw my Comedy Central clip, which by the way is now on like eight hundred and forty thousand views, so it might hit a million. So if you haven't seen my Comedy Central clip, please go on Facebook and look at it, and then that counts as that's the views that's getting close to a million. Uh, so that's very cool. But she saw that and then just Googled me a bunch and found the podcast. Uh, so hello. Uh, thank you for listening. And uh, she she had a dream or nightmare maybe about Marjorie trying to break into a house, which is um, awesome. I'm a big fan of that. I'm a big fan of Marjorie as a kind of dream ghoul. She's not of our plane, I think. I think she shifts planes. She's a bit like Freddy Krueger. Uh, she can appear in dreams, in reality, she can manifest uh, when she's merely remembered. Marjorie is a being from the before time. Before the universe was fully formed. Before the yolk of the universe was fully solidified. Like the boiled egg of a universe we live in now. Marjorie roams the stars, peeping between dimensions and flicking bits of knitting at the sun. Oh, fucking hell. Anyway, this, this'll, this'll do you. This'll have to tide you over till I can sort my fucking life out and get my microphone and on and on and on and admin you don't need to know about. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Um, do subscribe on iTunes and rate us on iTunes because that helps the podcast climb the charts and I'm assuming it's roughly at the bottom of the charts uh, at the moment. Uh, that would make sense. Uh, and tell your friends and get in touch at my favorite pod on Twitter or my favorite podcast on gmail.com. And uh, uh, thank you for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Tell your friends. See you next week. I am a fucking robot.